Welcome uh, to the noticed 130 study session for your Palm Desert City Council. We have two topics today. Uh, which shall we take up first, Mr. Eilman? I think staff would like to take up a, an overview of the current relationship with the, the city's current relationship with Riverside County and managing the, uh, the library operations in Palm Desert. Uh, this topic uh, was initiated and originated in our uh, uh, Park and Rec Commission meetings. Um, as, you, as council may know, the uh, library committee was merged into Park and Rec about a year ago, and there's been a lot of questions about how the libraries run, what rights do the city of Palm Desert have, uh, what might be options in terms of managing the operations moving forward. So Chris Gary has put together an, just an excellent overview history of, of the library, which we want to share with you. Uh, and then Chris Escobedo has been working closely with the Riverside County uh, folks to uh, really on the financial side to try to determine exactly where we are and in order to provide you some options. And we're going to be requesting some feedback and thoughts from you later in, in today's action calendar. So I'll turn it over to Chris. Great. Thank you, Mayor and uh, Council Members. Uh, next slide, please. Right, I think that was a, a very good overview from our, our city manager, so I think I'll dive right into the agenda here. So uh, today we're going to give a, a good overview of the history, and a lot of this information is in your council packet as well. Um, but the history of the Palm Desert Library, uh, followed by enhanced library services that the, the city of Palm Desert uh, used to provide, uh, to the um, to the to, to the library system, uh, we'll also talk about a service level comparison, looking at our, our regional uh, library facilities, being Palm Desert, Palm Springs, uh, La Quinta, as well as Rancho Mirage. Uh, and then after that, is uh, as was mentioned, I'll t we'll turn it over to the assistant city manager, Chris Escobedo, who will talk about uh, the library funding mechanism uh, and the process of how that funding works. Uh, and follow that with what uh, some different policy options and uh, uh, questions for council's consideration. So next slide, please. So the history of the Palm Desert Library, it started, uh, I mean, uh, you'll see three bullet points that are really uh, what you call policy punctuations or major points of, um, of the timeline. But it was, it was founded in 1911 and we opened a, our first library is what we thought our first library was in 1962 at the Portola Community Center. This has since been disputed actually in the last few weeks based upon some um, very good information that's provided. Uh, we're, we're currently looking into that information, but there may have been a Palm Desert Library in the 50s and uh, uh, located in the uh, 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 Shadow Mountain Country Club. Uh, I, perhaps I can turn it over to Councilmember Truby now or later on after the presentation. You but know what? Let's focus very, on a later point. Absolutely, in yeah. It's very, very interesting. So, um, so moving moving forward, um, uh, the, the city incorporated in the '70s, and the, and the county came to the city and said, uh, "Are you interested in maintaining this as a county system or, or creating your own city system?" And at that point, in 1974, we decided to, to stay with the county system. Uh, moving forward, we, we continue to operate uh, the Portola Community Center uh, until um, uh, until about 1996. Uh, but that uh, and that's when we opened our current facility at the College of the Desert. Um, but prior to that, uh, that that effort really started about 10 years earlier. The community was coming together for a kind of an envisioned uh, 2000 uh, uh, workshop, kind of envisioning our community where we're going to be in the next 20 years. And library services were a continual function of those discussions. 
And with that said, that's what really started the crux of what should our library look like in the future and should it be a standalone facility and what should those relationships and, uh, and, and uh, stakeholders be. And so that was, in 1993, was executed a, a cooperative agreement that really set the foundation for that. And I'll talk about that shortly. Um, once the library opened, uh, it was, uh, in 1997, it was, it was assumed um, to be contracted by a private contractor, which was actually the first in the, uh, the, in the county, or excuse me, in the country to be a fully contracted uh, uh, jurisdiction or county. Um, What's interesting to that is prior to that, from, from, the, from the county inception, from the first library up till 1996, it was the city of Riverside who was operating as the operator countywide in different jurisdictions. Uh, it's just kind of how it, it naturally developed in this county until 1997. Um, so uh, moving forward, we were continuing to operate our library uh, from 97 till 2000, well, till currently. But in 2012, um, uh, was the dissolution of the redevelopment agencies. And, and that's an important time period because that was essentially the end of what we considered our enhanced services. Next slide, please. So the cooperative agreement between the city, county, and college for the current facility breaks down according to this slide. Um, all three entities had a contribution. Um, the city was responsible for advancing those funds to make the, the project happen. The city also had the vision for this um, in the sense that it put forward the initial cost to come up with the design, not knowing if its partners were truly interested in this project, uh, but had the foresight for it. Um, and also the, the city, as I mentioned, had supplemental funding for, for I think a period of 14, 15 years, which we'll talk about on, I think on the next slide. Um, but once the city uh, helped finance this project um, and, have, and have it come to fruition and provided supplemental funding, which was the city's discretion for that supplemental funding. It was really up to the county and the college to operate their sides of the facilities accordingly. And that's for staffing and operations, uh, maintenance, both in facility and custodial, uh, as well as whatever their technological, technological costs were on their side of the facility. Uh, this agreement was a 66-year agreement. Um, and so from today, we still have about 36 more years in that agreement. Next slide, please. Uh, and just one other point on that slide was that the county does, or excuse me, the, the college owns the land uh, that the, that the uh, current library is on. So what was our, our contributions to the library construction cross? Well, you can see them broken down accordingly, about 4.6 million for planning construction and uh, fixtures and equipment. Uh, this does not take into account the enhanced services, which we paid about 2.4 million for over a period of time as well. This also does not take into consideration traffic signal that we built off red wearing. Next slide, please. So I mentioned previously enhanced services. So over a period of time between 98 and 2013, we provided various types of services, but it really comes down to kind of three, three types, and that is supplemental staffing, which was funding LS, additional LSSI staffing um, at that facility. Uh, those those uh, staff members include a volunteer coordinator, events coordinator, a computer instructor, two librarians, I believe one was for youth and one was for adult materials, and then a receptionist as well. Uh, additional hours were to keep, uh, to, to extend the hours, I believe on a Thursday that we had shortened hours. I, I think it was to extend it on a Thursday for three hours and then we extended it, I think a few years later for another three hours. It, it may have been on that Thursday or another particular day, but um, it also included um, frequent bookmobile stops at Joe Man Park. 
Um, it appears that there are still some bookmobile stops going on at Joe Man Park. Um, the latest I've seen was a Facebook posting about a year and a half ago. Uh, I have since reached out to LSSI in the county to try to get an understanding uh, if there is more frequent and continuous stops at Joe Man, Joe Man Park, as well as of our community at large. Uh, the the final uh, the final sir, the final item for enhanced services is supplemental materials, and as in any library, any uh, anything that's a product, you have to keep the materials moving forward. So this would restock the books and the materials that were coming through the library. We would fund it about fifty thousand dollars every uh, every so often, uh, not every year, but maybe every two uh, every two out of three years. Uh, next slide, please. So this is just a, a service level comparison between the four jurisdictions. You'll see that there's two jurisdictions that are operated under the city, uh, a, a city model being Rancho Mirage and Palm Springs, and then two uh, county models being uh, Palm Desert and La Quinta. And La Quinta is a little bit different because they have a, they're, uh, it's just structured differently, their, their agreements and their, and their funding mechanisms. Um, but there's a lot of information on here, but I think just, uh, I think a key point to this is the more resources you put in, the more resources you get out of it um, based upon the inputs and the outputs. And with that said, I'd like to turn over the presentation to Chris Escobedo. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Mayor and Council, I'll go through the next series of slides. Uh, next slide, please. So briefly, some current stats. We asked the county to provide us stats on current use. So between April of 22 and March 23, the library had just over 91,000 people visit it. Total circulation was just over 190,000, which is physical and electronic items out in circulation. The 66% of those uh, of that is used by adults, 34% by children and young adults. We have 23,000 uh, registered users. And in recent, in, in this time period, the vast majority of them have been adult uh, registrants. Next slide, please. So adding on to what uh, Chris Gary was talking about, the cooperative agreement is a key component of this three-party arrangement. In that time, the city, former RDA, and the county created the Library Improvement District Fund. The, the purpose of that was a portion of the property tax would go into this fund for the provision of services in Palm Desert. So library services in Palm Desert. Former Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency. Yes, sorry. Uh, the way the agreement reads is that these funds are to be available on demand to the county for the provision of that service. Next slide. So I'll take a minute to walk through this one, uh, and it will be the heart of the conversation going forward in terms of the finances. The two focal points will be the two boxes in magenta. And we'll start with the left side of the red bar. In, in reviewing of the financials, the, the county is currently receiving just about $3.4 in annual revenue specific for library services from this library improvement fund arrangement that was created. Going forward in the options presented in the staff report, we forecasted out what the future funding would look like. So whether it be if the council elects us to continue to partner with the county on an enhanced agreement, this 3.4 million would grow over time. At the same time, if the city council elects us to consider withdrawing from the system and forming a municipal library district, money would be redirected to the city for the provision of service. So if we look on the right side of the bar, the second, the second magenta box 
becomes a number that we've, we've been able to identify to plug in that would, could be potential revenue that would be redirected to Palm Desert. Potential is key, uh, sorry. Potential, the, the word potential is key because we still have to go through an extensive process to true up that number. And I'll go to it in a little, little bit more. State law requires us to go through a prescriptive process to make sure that there's no, no debt secured against that fund. At the same time, there's some taxation issues, us being a NOLO property tax city that we would have to evaluate. Additionally, we would have to, to analyze any agreement that we entered into post-1993 that affects the property tax allocation. So the short answer is there could be potential revenue for us uh, in the future. We still need time to true up that number. In addition, uh, the process would be extensive negotiation with the county. Next slide, please. So truing up is, is key because uh, as you can see and what we've learned, we're current year, they're expected to receive $3.4 million in revenue uh, the county has indicated that the cost is 1.45, so there's a delta here. The county has indicated that they currently pool all their funds together. All library district funds are pooled, with the exception of La Quinta's, and they we would need to go through a process with them to figure out what specifically has been pro provided for Palm Desert. So we have requested that. We requested the, of the county executive office as well as the auditor controller to assist us in identifying that number. Next slide. So in looking at the process to withdraw, uh, there, the state, state law provides that process. Essentially, it starts with the council notifying, uh, taking action and notifying the county board of, board of supervisors of its intent. The board of supervisors would need to circulate the notice to the assessor, auditor controller, and state board of equalization. In that notice, we have to indicate whether or not the city intends to purchase uh, the land and property. As the college is the owner, there would need to be a discussion with the college on their plans. The city would need to be a part of that county library system until either A, uh, it acquired the facility, or B, July 1 of the base year. So next slide. The base year would be essentially if we move forward with withdrawal July 1 of 2024, and that would commence the time where the city begins receiving funding. Uh, a notice would have to be sent before December 2nd of the year to, to provide notice and trigger that process. At the same time, we would need to negotiate with the county and come to agreement on the funding allocation going forward. Again here, uh, we, would, we still need to go through that process of looking at future revenues and factoring in any debt, uh, pass-through, and, and taxation issues. Next slide. So timeline for withdrawal, an option one, if the council elects to pursue the withdrawal, we need to send the notice, begin negotiations with the county and college, uh, also take a hard look at the funding. Uh, in addition, we would need to gain input from the community on service expectations, come up with the staffing model, and assess the condition of the current facility. Next slide. Option two is more immediate. It would be enhancing the agreement with the county. The uh, candidly, in the last few weeks of us talking with the county, we've been learning a lot more, as well as they've been throwing out a lot of different suggestions. Uh, so, including they're able to enhance service levels, uh, they have planned improvements to improve that facility. Uh, in addition, you know, they have thrown out potentially constructing a new facility in partnership with them. 
So just this for background, but essentially with this proposal here, we would get input from the community, ask them to create a proposal about programming and services going forward. We would need to negotiate with them on the improvements of that facility. And I think very clearly, as we've dug into the finances, we would need to negotiate a different accounting method and accountability of those funds. Next slide. That concludes uh, our report. Essentially, we leave you with the, the policy questions listed in the report of pursuing a municipal library, working with the county to enhance service levels, or maintaining the, the current three-party arrangement. And those questions, of course, will be taken up during our open meeting under the action calendar. Uh, so this is an appropriate time for questions about what's been presented. Yes, Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, Chris, you mentioned that all of the library funds are pooled together from the county with the exception of La Quinta. Can you elaborate on why they are exempt? So when they set up their, when, when they set up their, their mechanism, they essentially dedicated the funds specific to a fund that the city had oversight on. Uh, when our agreement was set up, we did not set it up in that way. Our, our funds specifically go to the county. So they had a redirection in it to allow them to have a direct uh, purview of those funds. Thank you. A couple of questions. Uh, I scanned the agreement. I didn't read it word for word. This may be a city attorney question, but does the agreement speak to ownership in this interesting arrangement where three parties contribute to construction cost? So as it's, so the, the college in the agreement is the owner of the land and building. Uh, and building? Correct, because they are also required to maintain it, improve it, improve it and be responsible for its upkeep. The fact that they're responsible to maintain it doesn't inherently mean they own it. Is it otherwise clear that they own the building? It is not clear-cut in terms of the actual facility. The land is clear-cut. That's clear-cut. Yes, but we would need to go through the process of identifying their true ownership of, of the building. So, so you're telling me it's murky. Very murky. If you've been working on this and you're couching your words, it's murky. Three entities agreed to spend millions to build something and left it murky who actually owns the building. Um, so that's something we have to be mindful of. The other, the other question that was not clear to me looking at the agreement is, um, does the agreement itself specify a mode of termination? Uh, the presentation focused on state law as the reference point, but is there something in the agreement that speaks to method for termination? There's a, a default section that initiates that conversation. There's not, doesn't appear to be uh, 
I would say the agreement is written very vaguely throughout different sections, and you can see the vagueness is, you know, everybody trusting each other into the future. Uh, but it does have clear-cut default positions that would need to be triggered, but no outright termination clause. And can you point out to me where those are? If you give me a minute, I'll... Section 9. Section 9. My, my section nine says computer system costs. It, it would be section nine defaults and remedies. Uh, okay. 2B, page 24. Thank you, Veronica. 2B, okay. All right, I'll check for that during a break. Other questions? Um, Council Member Dante. Okay, and using the word murky, I'll copy it. Uh, um, like on the, on the PowerPoint process to change delivery options, it seems nothing's really clear cut still yet to decide whether to break away or not on our own and for example law is not clear how pass-through agreements factor into this and also unless city and county agree on the revenue dot 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 there, there's a lot of unknowns still right we that we need to get answers to that would be correct yeah so it's, it's somewhat difficult to make a decision um, on which path to follow for me at least. And I just found the default language you're referring to, which is in the agreement for construction as opposed to the lease agreement. So, uh, Council Member Truby. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, I just want to say kudos to the two Chris's. There was a. Mm -hmm. The way you put this together, I know when I first came on the council, Paul Murphy brought this all to my attention, and we, I started asking around to former employees of the library and the, and the city, and it was hard to find answers. I think it was, um, so the work you did to make this clarify, this is really outstanding. Thank you so much. Um, quick question for Chris Escobedo. Um, you mentioned we're collecting, or, or rather, the county is collecting $3.4 million per year from property tax rolls here in the city of Palm Desert. However, they're only spending 1.2 million on services provided in exchange for that collection. So we're basically at a $2.2 million per year deficit on what we're contributing and what we're getting back. And that's what we're trying to clarify where that money is and what's happening to that. So I just wanna make sure that that's, we're at a deficit here and we're not getting back what we're putting in. To me, that's a major point of contention moving forward. Um, and, the, and point number two, that was a kind of a one-year snapshot. How many years has that been going on? I mean, so, anyway. So that, that arrangement has been in place since 93? So we've been at a deficit for nearly 30 years. In other words, they've been collecting more than they've been spending. We, we, can, see we can see clearly that since dissolution, there's definitely a deficit, and we have that information. Uh, the next step is to look at the time period before dissolution to figure out the delta, mm -hmm. but also that's a part of the request to look at uh, current year allocations because of the pool and past years. 
Perfect. And then so that it may very well be that if we do decide to go a direct run library, those that money collected will then be direct the portion of or or, or some portion of that or the full amount of three point four million at this point would go to, directly to our city to run our library. Um, and I know you're working on this, but I just want to say it for the public's benefit. Um, is there any way of tracking down the money that we have overspent all these years? Is there some kind of way to do some calculation to say, hey, we'd like to have what we've spent overspent over these years back, maybe to help build a library or to keep in a fund for the library? So that's, that's exactly the process that we're in right now, and we've requested of the Auditor Controller and Executive Office, which is, uh, you know, figuring out what the delta is, because in either of the scenarios, uh, it appears that there's more money available for enhanced services in, in Palm Desert. Perfect, and I've got a couple more, of course. Um, uh, if, and, and up to this point, maybe this will help clarify what um, Madam Mayor was mentioning. It, it seemed to me, from what I, what I read through on the agreement, is that in exchange for us assuming the lion's share of the building costs, we've had free lease with COD. In other words, they haven't charged us to occupy our 20,000 square feet since the building was built. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So that was sort of a deal we made. We basically got free rent in exchange for us. Okay. So that, that explains that aspect of it. Essentially, the city fronted, advanced the cash, created the mechanism for it to be built. Uh, the funds were set, set aside from property tax <clears throat> here in Palm Desert for the operations. And then from that fund, they would pay the district for, you know, janitorial costs and in the interior. Perfect. And one last question, I believe. Um, how much control do we have over programming, staffing, hiring, firing of library staff currently as it stands? Contractually, none. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Chris, do you by any chance know if there have been any other cities that have attempted to do the same and break away from this very unique agreement? So not, uh, it seems like this uh, agreement is very unique uh, in the in the county, and so other cities have explored breaking away. Um, I think the county shared most recently Eastville was talking to them about that process, but none have officially done it in recent years. So, so Chris and I, just to add some more um, color to this discussion, Chris and I have had discussions with the county CEO. Um, you know, in the who's very uh, accommodating with us, basically stated that if the city wanted to take the library back over, they would work with us to make sure that happened. I think what you're seeing is a lot of the questions you're asking in terms of uh, where's the money been going. Um, it's going to be a long effort through the auditor's office. We did, we did not require that they account for basic buckets. One of the things that we, when you join the county system, you have to look at it. There's three buckets of money that they use, right? One is to operate the facility. So that's the one, about a third of what they're collecting. Part of it goes into a pool for the broader county system. And then the other part of it is supposed to be going into a sinking fund for building enhancements or replacements. We have not been able to get solid accounting on those last two uh, areas, including from the staff that oversees the libraries, which is why we went to the auditor's office um, to try to help you make that decision. But I do believe that we will get cooperation moving forward. We do have to negotiate with them uh, should the council want us to desire, want, want to look into what it would take to actually break away from that oversight. The other part of this discussion is with COD, and I've had numerous conversations with their staff as well over the last several months. Um, they, they have been driving a, a renegotiation of the lease 
Um, the lease is badly out of date on their end too. They were required to operate a library along with our library, which they no longer do. And so they're asking us to amend the agreement uh, so and modernize it because it still refers to things like old parking meters that were there, that sort of thing, and outdated business practices. I've been holding that agreement for the last couple of weeks until we had this conversation with you. Um, one of the things that's happened with that, with the updated deal is that the county's agreed to, I think it was a, to a $158,000 a year lease payment, for instance. So that sort of implies that the COD does believe they own the building. Um, the county has agreed to make that lease payment. We need to vet that out. Um, the other part of this conversation that's interesting uh, with COD is they had been uh, planning on asking our permission to uh, relocate, I believe it's called a PACE program, into the facility. And they had 12 or $14 million set aside to rehab their 20,000 square feet of the building. However, due to the discussions with the Palm Springs campus, and it looks like it's 50 or $60 million over budget, there is an ongoing discussion the board is having about sweeping those funds and moving it to cover the, de the deficit at the Palm Springs campus, which leaves no money to update the facility. So these conversations in, in terms of how the building is going to be used, um, you know, whether we sign off on the changes, there, there's going to at some point be a negotiation between what does everybody need out of the, the building facility right now and do we alter our relationship or part ways. So that's the other part of the discussion that we've sort of bifurcated because we, we are waiting for them to get their their final estimates on the Palm Springs campus to give us a, a better answer on their end, whether they can afford to put any investment into the building at all. And so we've got a number of things that we're juggling at one time. Really, when we get into the um, action part of this discussion, um, you know, the, the question is, do you want to direct us to head one direction or both directions to continue getting you information? Thank you, Mayor. I think one thing it seems like we all agree on is, boy, do we need a whole lot more information. Um, what strikes me, and because the future of the Palm Springs campus for College of the Desert is ambiguous at best. I mean, we have all these moving targets, even if the targets even exist. We don't know who owns a building, it seems that there's lots of people who claim they do. I, I do want to say one thing before I go much further. I really want to thank Parks and Rec and Councilmember Truby for putting some energy behind this and getting this moving because it's kind of languished and uh, it, it needed that energy because we need to really take a long, hard look at this. No matter who owns the building, the state slash college district owns the dirt underneath. And we've had some other contracts where we've had to deal with this sort of issue. And it, uh, it's never a simple process. It's never a real uh, clean process where everyone benefits. So the more information we can get on this so that we can make a decision that is going to benefit our community members as well as possible, uh, the better off we are. Uh, I would like to know if, it, and it doesn't sound like the city has any ownership interest at all in that building, but it, it would be nice to find that out. Um, and who might want to have 100% ownership interest in that building, perhaps? I, I, we just need information. We're just at, at 
at a beginning point with a lot of question marks. So the sooner we get that information and have a, a really substantial discussion, I think the better off we're going to be. Thank you. Any other questions at this time? Yes. Okay. One more then. So uh, does the county have more power slash jurisdiction over the ultimate outcome of what's decided, or is the city an equal player that, in terms of if we, like for example, if we decide we, we want to take over the whole library and the county, thank you very much, but we don't need you anymore. Uh, can the county say no, we, we don't agree with that and therefore that's not an option type of thing? Who, what's the balance of power here? I guess is a better way to phrase it. So I think the most positive thing is, is what the city manager indicated that the county CEO is indicating they, they won't, if the council wants to go there, they're not gonna stand in our way. The way the agreement's set up, we're all equal parties. We have different share of power. Um, so I think it's gonna be important to have goodwill in this conversation. For us, our fact finding will be critical. Uh, based upon what we're seeing already, there's a strong case for us to say there's funding here and a need for enhanced services. Where's the money? And I think as we get the answers to those questions, we'll, we'll have a better position. So as all of this is settling, it gives rise to a few more questions. Um, first, I want to make sure I heard you correctly, Mr. Hellman, that out of the roughly $3.5 million, which at present um, are allocated to library services for Palm Desert through property tax. Did I hear you correctly to say that the county is able to direct that money to three pots, one of which is the 1.5 spent on operations here, one of which is uh, costs of the system as a whole, which we do utilize through interlibrary sharing of books, that would be part two. And part three, if I heard you correctly, uh, was a form of amortization to save toward um, large capital expenditures necessitated by the aging of this building. Did I get that correct? You did, and we are attempting to um, get some help from the auditor's office to see if in fact, what in fact that um, depreciation fund looks like uh, to, for building upkeep and maintenance, and if, if we can identify a clear distinction between what is going into the county system and what has been put aside for building upkeep. And, you know, and, and I think, as I told the Park and Rec Commission, this, I, I know this is unsettling to see that a third of the money is coming back to the system, but it, from the, when, when you join the county system, it's very similar to how a city collects property tax, right? Everybody pays into it, and there may be many years where one part of the city has more needs than another, maybe the infrastructure's aging, whatever it may be, and their obligation is to set a level of a service across the county and, and, and ensure that that's at least 
uh, maintained, they're relying on cities around the county to provide more money as we used to through redevelopment to enhance the services. So it's really one of those things. What, what, what is becoming obvious to us is even the staff managing the libraries can't tell us where that one pot is going in terms of when it goes into the county system, where is it going? So, okay, before yeah. we lose the three pots. Yeah. Uh, here is the big question that occurs to me, which we won't get answered today. If there is a third pot, this depreciation pot for replacement or uh, dealing with an aging building, the big question would be, can we get access to that pot if we decide this aging building is not worth the trouble and we want to build something better someplace else? That is exactly the research that, that Chris is doing with the auditor's office right now, so we can answer that question. In looking, uh, looking over the numbers that are presented, you have the comparison for the Rancho Mirage Library, which I think we can use as a um, more of a control model because they have their own information. Would there be a possibility to find out from them how many other users are Rancho Mirage residents versus across the valley? Because then I think it would help us to understand where the users are coming from. We are the next proximal location in the center of the valley with this gigantic park that everyone knows. And I think that that could possibly help us um, to predict a little bit more. Instead of just looking at the county funds as a conglomerate, perhaps being able to narrow it down a little bit and trying to see if there's any potential parallels that, that we can draw. Um, does that make sense? Yes, we can request the numbers, but I wanted to see if Chris Gary, I know you did, in your research of Rancho Rush, do you have that that, those numbers offhand in terms of users? Councilmember, continue. I do not have those user uh, that that information currently available. You know, with Rancho Mirage, because they do operate the observatory portion, there there is other statistics that are part of it, part of that. And just as well, you don't have to be a registered user for those statistics. So it's probably greater than the statistics that you see for Rancho Mirage. But uh, to answer your question, we can definitely look more into it and, and contact Rancho Mirage and see what we can uh, obtain. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. We do get another chance at this topic today. Uh, so let's take up our second study session topic. Thank you, Mayor. And, and Rosie Luau is here today to, uh, to share with Council the, uh, the plan for uh, updating our, our development services lobby and what that interim service provision is going to look like, how the public will access service during that time. So we wanted to make sure that you were aware of uh, what our plan was. And if you had any uh, uh, feedback or thoughts, we'd love to hear them. Can we share the presentation? Good afternoon, uh, Mayor and uh, City Council. Rosie Lua, Deputy Director of Development Services. As our uh, City Manager has explained, I am going to give you an update on the Development Services Lobby renovation, as well as information on our interim lobby. Just by way of background, this project was awarded June 2022 with a budget to improve the lobby, as well as the multi-purpose room. Uh, this project has now come to fruition. Demolition is to begin June 9th, 
2023, and the completion of the lobby is to take place September 11th, 2023, and the completion of the multipurpose room in November. And the November dead, um, date is due to HVAC equipment that's being um, currently um, uh, ordered. Next slide. Next slide. All right, so the development services lobby includes um, the men's and women's restroom, the development services conference room, the hallway, um, and as well as our entry in our development services. As you can see, uh, this is a layout of what that counter area will be in the development services area. Um, and the real purpose of renovating our lobby was to increase security measures, to implement ADA, as well as to improve our public um, services and our counters. The multi-purpose room is currently the public uh, works storage area, and that is being renovated to include offices as well as CVAC's traf traffic control areas. There are no new uh, um, public entrances as part of this project. Next slide. So as part of our renovation, we will have to have a temporary location for our services. Uh, this is a 13-week time frame, and these public services will include the permit center, building and safety, planning, code enforcement, as well as public works. There will be no interruption of services during that time. Next slide. We've got two options that we're looking at. Uh, one is in our council chamber's foyer space, um, and that is where uh, those from the public will walk through our um, walkway area, uh, entering our council chambers, and then our housing services will remain in their counter. And the second option is, next slide. The next option is to keep the interim lobby in our uh, development services conference room. And there um, we would have all services as well as our housing counter. Next slide. Okay, uh, so those are their two options and today I just wanted to open up for any discussion or feedback um, and no decision has been made on our spaces yet. We just wanted to bring that to your attention and see if there's anything that you'd like to discuss with us. I don't see, yes. Council Member Thank you uh, for the presentation, appreciate it. Um, you mentioned part of the purpose of, of doing this project was ADA compliance. Yes. Did we run, were we running the risk of fines, penalties, lawsuits, or is it goodwill? Now, the, right now we acknowledge that we do need a counter spaces for, to comply with ADA, um, and that was one of the purposes to uh, renovate, was to actually comply. Um, currently, we, we, we do comply where we exit our counters and uh, provide spaces for those that are needing services, but this would create more permanent areas. I have two reactions. The first is, we should plan with the understanding that 13 weeks could become 16 weeks, could become 18 weeks, could become 
20 weeks at least. That's what has happened with recent projects because of supply issues that are not 100% resolved. And because once contractors get into a project, they discover things. Just think about how many little new discoveries were made working on the council chamber. So um, I think we'd be ill-advised uh, to proceed as though this is certain to be 13 weeks. I personally think it would be safer not to use the council chamber foyer on days like today when we start our work at 1.30. That would not be a compatible use. Just wouldn't. Uh, and if we, uh, we will be doing some work in the summer, we're certain to start with full agendas in September. Uh, so I think avoiding, I think option two would be our safer option, personally. Any other thoughts? All right, thank you. Anything else for study session? Nothing at this point. Thank you. Okay. And we're obliged to wait until 3 o'clock for a closed session. So hope we got enough snacks. <laughs> <laughs>